Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. another episode of Nobody Told Me That and you're in for a treat if you're an insurance geek like me because I have my fellow insurance nerd Colleen Huff on the line with me. Colleen, welcome back. Thanks, Teresa. It's always great to talk with you. Thank you. And other insurance geeks. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We have to be inclusive of the insurance geeks out there because we don't raise our heads often, but when we do, we frantically look for others like us. (laughs) Yes, we do. It's funny in the classes, I can definitely tell that some people are like this. I shouldn't like this as much, but they, but they do. (laughs) So where have you been lately? You've been kind of all over. You're speaking a lot more on insurance, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, You've got a new class going on that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but where have you been lately? Well, I was just in Connecticut um, at the uh, Connecticut Dental Association meeting back in May. And it was a fabulous meeting. I met a lot of really great people from around that area, from Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. I did three different classes, which for me was a first time doing that many in a row. It was a really neat experience. It's always fun going somewhere that you hadn't been before with any of the people and see how how common the struggle is the same no matter where we go. Plans may be slightly different, but it's still a similar difficulty level. And it's nice to be able to bring some information that they come up afterwards and say, hey, this is going to help me. You know, so that was really, that's been really good. And I think we talked last time just before I went to Fargo mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. North Dakota in March. And that was, um, uh, and no, it wasn't snowing continuously when I was in Fargo. Um, but uh, that was another great one. That's customer first that Patterson puts on. And I'll tell you, it is a an experience similar to ADOM in the way that they all kind of just come to have a great time and learn. And, you know, when the classes aren't happening, they kind of let their hair down and Aww. join together. It's really a neat a neat conference that way. Oh, so, I love that. That's exciting. They they have me coming in in 2020, so I'm really glad to hear oh, you say that. Oh, they're going to love you, and you're going to love them. It was a fabulous group, and even, um, so, you know, they are very interactive. The insurance geeks awesome. that were there with, with me, including some of the doctors, um, the rooms were full, and they were listening the whole time. You know, you weren't watching them sort of play on their phones. They were paying attention and really wanted to, to be part of the conversation, too. That was great. I'm loving that we're seeing um, more doctors coming to the insurance classes and and also management classes, but definitely more doctors come into the insurance classes. And that's really, you know, when we first started out, it was kind of our thing to go to the insurance classes while the doctor would go take composites or whatever. And now you're seeing a lot of them showing up in our classes. And I hope that that leads to, I guess, better business decisions in the future when it comes to participation. I think that's a big thing that we are hearing more and more about. It's not that it, we, they never talked about it, but I think you and I are hearing more and more of the questions. Okay. I need to really look at this. I never had to before. What do I look at? That's an interesting question. Did you get that in any of your classes? I do tend to get that one. I actually had a phone call with a gentleman the other day who I may be coaching, unfortunately, retro looking at his contracts versus before he signed them. Um, but I've had quite a few doctors in the last um, probably six months that I've been speaking to 
some offices I'm going to be going in to coach at, uh, the doctor is as involved as the insurance coordinators and they want to be trained too. And right. I agree with you. I think it's fabulous because this is, they have to know this stuff. And if they don't, it's, it, it's their own detriment in the long run. And, you know, I look at it as my doctor that I work for now, that's, you know, there's only so much about insurance she wants to know. And then it's my, my place to take it from there. But she, she was the same of, I, I need to know this as much as you do to a point, you know, I need to know what to look for and what I'm watching. And, um, you know, I I tell some of them, it's no different than when I first started in a practice, I didn't know clinical. I had to learn the clinical. I had to learn enough to be educated in what I was discussing. And I think it's a similar, that's kind of what I've, my approach when I talk to the doctors is, you know, you expect your front to learn a lot more about the clinical, your team and yourself need to know what's happening on the, the, the insurance because that's your, your money. That's your cash flow. It's your, well, it's your license on the line too. Uh, you know, Absolutely. if you've got somebody who doesn't quite know what they're doing and, you know, one thing that scares me a lot and, and I just shared this on Facebook and on Instagram, um, you just wrote an article. Let me, let me kind of set this up a little bit. You just wrote an article about secondary insurance and secondary coverage, what to do with that, which is great. It's up on Dentistry IQ. Let me make a note here. I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes to that article. But in that article, you basically warned, you know, we love social media, but beware of the advice that you get on the groups. And it it wasn't just because of, you know, these people don't know what they're talking about, but you pointed out a very important part, which is the rules are so state specific and you can't listen to what somebody in California says if you're in New Jersey with a whole different set of legislature, legislature um, that's been passed. So, it, but it's something that it's real out there. So it's not just legislature. It's not just our insurance thing, but also management issues. I've seen just an awful lot of, I don't want to say wannabe consultants because that's rude. I don't, I don't want to say that, but the people that are, have a really good office running in their situation and they think that that translates across the board. How often a day are you seeing this? I would say I'm seeing that more than I'd like to. And it's interesting the way you put that because for myself, I started in an office in New Jersey. And when I first moved back to New York, I had to learn that. And it was an eye opener for me because you do think that what you know for your state is across the board. And it was something that I spent a lot of time contacting at that time. There was no social media or ADOM. So I would reach out to our state board. I got to know the lawyer there quite well. Um, Finally met her in person about 10 years after I bugged her on the phone a lot. (laughs) But it was fascinating to me, the differences in the state. And they were minor at some cases, but it was still something that affected your practice. So because of that, I've always been very aware when I'm you know, going to speak in another state or I'm, you know, consulting with an office to make sure that I either I do the research or I point them in the direction to do the research. Because even what's, you know, New York has certain rules, California has certain rules, and then there's Texas and there's others, and they're all very different. And I, you know, that's part of why I put the part of why I put that comment in there is because you and I have talked, I see information going and it's a different state. The person's in a you know different part of the country completely, and mm-hmm. you can be giving wrong information. And even from practice to practice in the same area, you know, I've I've managed at this point six different practices, everything from a startup to a single doctor to I had three three locations, 
And what worked in one as a best practice didn't work in the other. Yes, what works for you may be great where you are, but that doesn't always translate. And it, you know, and it's so I, I really hope people are paying attention to um, who's answering the question for them. And one specific example I see is people asking about Medicaid, uh, how mm-hmm. to do this with Medicaid. And Medicaid is absolutely state specific. And even within the states, like you said, it can get even to carrier specific with how they administer the plan. So it it just is really, really scary. And then the other side of that is when you do wade into it to help, you sometimes get kind of slapped back a little bit. And I'm going, wow, I I lecture on this. I'm kind of trying to help you out here. And I think you've seen that happen as well. Um, Maybe not with yourself, but I, you know, I think you were just sharing earlier and you don't have to share more details if you don't want to, but a colleague of, of yours was kind of slapped back as well. And that's like, it's got, there's got to be an air of helping and then being ready to accept that help if it's given to you. Uh, yes. And, and like we talked earlier, I saw a thread happening with someone that I know who is very skilled. This person has been trained beyond any training. I, I think a typical manager would have this as a consultant. And this other person was just criticizing and telling them where they were wrong. And this person was putting up, you know, documentation of where his information was coming from. And the other thing that I that I noticed in that thread was the person who was arguing with them, shall we say, their information was older. And um, and like you said, you were talking about Medicaid. Medicaid, even in a state, can change. So like even mm-hmm. in my state, I haven't worked directly with it for a number of years, all of the plans. And so when I have someone call and approach me, even local, with some help, I have to do some research before I answer them because I know it can change year to year. So what I knew four years ago is different now. Even in my own, and so it's it's a matter of this. I I I think we have to continually educate. You know, you and I both believe in that. mm -hmm. It's a continually um, updating our education. What I see often when looking at the news, and especially you know, we both track the Affordable Care Act. What we both see is that decisions are being made on adult Medicaid coverage. And it changes Mm -hmm. almost two or three times within the year, depending on whether or not it's going to pass. But they keep putting proposals back, then they keep pulling it back. You know, you have to pay attention on whether or not adults, if you're a Medicaid office, is adult coverage there? Because if they take the adult coverage away, it's going to happen like May 1st and you may not realize it. You know, if you're not paying attention to the paperwork that's being sent to you. So it's not just the kids, too. I mean, if you add adults... Medicare add Medicaid into the mix, and maybe you're only dealing with kids. Now, if you have to start seeing adults, that's a whole new ball game. You need to know whether or not that that's going to impact your office greatly. And I'll just give you a spoiler alert: it definitely will, because your volume of Medicaid recipients is going to double. So you have to be real, real careful about that and, and stay in tune with that. And you're right, though the the ones who have advice from years ago, you know, it's it's it'd be nice if they realized it was old advice, but some of them cling to it, you know. Right. But one thing, I don't know if you saw it. It was really cute. Somebody posted in one of the groups that they don't have computers; they're still working off an appointment book, and uh, uh-huh. everybody was giving all this advice on how to how to use how to not use the computer. Basically, how to go back to the old ways of using the appointment book and scratch pads and index cards. And it just really cracked me up because it was like walking down memory lane. Because 
that's how we did it, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you work with the paper appointment books? Did you schedule on paper? Yes. And everyone who knows my handwriting knows that that was not the best thing for anyone who had to work with me. Um, I do not have the cleanest of handwriting. Um, numerous yeah. times was told I should have been a doctor. So <laughs> when we became computerized for scheduling for anyone who had to try to read who was coming in, um, the computer is a much better choice for me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I started out, there were computers. The first office I worked in had computers for the ledger system, but they did not, they had paper. We were on a regular, you know, handwritten in schedule for years. It wasn't until 2001 when I moved back to Buffalo that I was on an actual computer for all of it. So I've been doing this. I did about seven, eight years of just, I didn't do, I came in just after, um, the pegboard systems for, um, <laughs> The ledgers, but I did see the remnants yes. of it. Um, and I also was still on the um, the old printers, you know, that you had to make the paper line up. Oh, yeah, the, when the, you printed your printers. double claims. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yep. And if it got skewed, you lost an entire ream of paper to it. Yes, and, and, it, there, and they would know. send it back to you. Do you remember they would send it back to you if the line, um, yeah. the print was not exactly on the line? So we are, we have yep. come a long way. <laughs> We have, but along those lines yesterday, now here's an update story of a similar idea. I am dealing with an insurance company that has reached a point that my patient's name is Tom, Thomas and we had him in the computer as Tom and they would not process oh, the claim and oh, his geez. social security number and his ID number were on the claim and their system only reads the first number and it wouldn't read the ID number so they wouldn't process the claim. And there was one other little glitch like this. This was the, the, the most detailed oriented system I've ever dealt with that they kicked that they've been kicking this out since March to us for little things. Amazing. And they don't tell you that on the denial. They just denied Amazing. it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I've been hearing uh, from people that there's a Blue Cross Blue Shield that is requiring next year that we use the 2018 claim form. Um, which is interesting because even the ADA themselves have not said, here's an absolute drop date for that claim form. A lot of people don't even know we have an updated version of the claim form. So don't, don't freak out about it. If you're not sure, I'll include a link in the show notes to it. But um, if the ADA hasn't said it's ready to go, it's really strange that an insurance carrier would say, we're ready to go with the new claim form. So that's something to, to pay attention to. Yeah, there's, there's, you got to make sure all your I's are dotted and T's are crossed and it's getting to be a little bit yeah. like medical billing because that is that's how medical billing is. It's it's a little frightening. It is, and it's interesting how many of them are going to the point of if the social. I don't know if you've encountered this, but if the social's on the claim form, they won't accept it. Um, yeah. There's quite a few in this area that you have to do just carrier ID, and I know like my practices, a lot of them were in the habit of putting both on, just mm -hmm. to make sure you could cover your bases as as you transition. And so we have quite a few and they tend to be the Blue Cross, the Excelis Blue Cross Blue Shield. Some of them are state plans that they only want the ID number or they will not. Like GHI was one of the first to do that. They will not accept a social, only the ID number. Yeah. So. And I get the question all the time. Do you do I still need the, the social security number? 
from the patient Mm -hmm. and I'll give my take and, and, you know, would love to get any input from you, but you know, there's two reasons for me that I still collect the social security number. And the first is we are extending credit for the copayment amount or Mm -hmm. the co-insurance amount. So we do ask for at least their drivers. So we should be getting a copy of the driver's license and I can get into that in a second. But if you can't get the social from them, at least get the driver's license ID number so that your collection agency, should you need it, and that's that's the first reason there, should you need it, would be able to do some kind of a skip trace or something like that. And I need to have Andy on here, the the collections ninja. I need to get him mm-hmm. on here so we can talk about it. Um, but, but yeah, so the, the social security number is needed for that and also verifying who the heck they are. And we can do that with the license, but there's an awful lot of fraud out there as it, when it comes to carrier um you know, just based somebody using their different insurance cards and, and then you're responsible for that office. You should know that, that if you don't attempt to verify their identity and there is fraud, um, you actually are on the hook for that because you can't show that you verified their identity. So getting a copy of the driver's license is just the easiest thing to do. Do you get this question in your classes as well? I get that question some. Um, we get a lot of patients in the office now that don't want to give ID. One of them is my own brother-in-law, who I had the go-around <laughs> discussion with him on it because <laughs> people are so afraid. And a lot of it, there was a stage where the seniors were all being taught not to give out their ID. Um, mm-hmm. It went through um, a series around the country. My father-in-law attended one of those. So I was hearing a lot of it as to why they don't want to. And I tell people the same things that that, that you said. You know, the first and foremost is, you know, you're identifi- you need it in case you do have to do collections. And you don't want to say that to the patient. And again, right. I do the same thing. You know, if it's a real push and if it's a, a, a make or break with that patient, then I definitely get a copy of the ID. And I also take a copy of, with, the, with it blocked out, a major credit card. Um, I ask for two mm-hmm. forms so that I have proof and I tell them why um, you're utilizing yeah. an insurance company and it's my responsibility to prove that you are who you are. We're also doing photos now um, as another backup mm-hmm. for ourselves. Um, and it's also helps when they walk in the door. But, you know, it's yeah. to me, it's another level of ID. And I've had a few patients. Mm-hmm. That's what I've explained to them. And even for taking the credit cards, it can help. So that driver's license and some of that other information, it's kind of all kind of comes together. But there's a big pushback um, in this generation from a lot of people not wanting to give the social. And one of those situations that we had happen is the patient came in with an insurance, a new insurance, didn't have the card. Go figure, because they don't give them half the time. That's another whole discussion. <laughs> um, and he left without we hadn't gotten his social the first time because we had his ID. So now I have no social to call the insurance and check on it. And I have no ID. So in this case, you know, luckily it's a patient who has been with them for like 20 years and it wasn't a big deal. But if that had happened with somebody newer in a practice, you could have some real issues. Right, right. And I I know that, uh, you know, we definitely, like you said, we don't want to send anyone to collections ever. Hopefully our, you know, calculations are good and all of that, but uh, it does happen. I mean, it really does happen. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to one very senior consultant um, and he goes around the country. I think he's actually retired now at this point, but I remember being in a meeting with him, you know, the question was, what do we do with collections? And he, he, 
just looked at the person and said, well, if you do your job right, you'll never have to send anyone to collections. And he just did not refuse to answer the question. And I, for a second, I was like, what, oh, did he really just say that? Cause you know, you don't want to jump in and here's somebody that I've listened to for years and all this kind of stuff. And then to hear him say that, I was like, wow, you know, times are changed different, you know, they're different now. Yeah. So I spoke up and, and said, you know, a little bit, and I said it in a very nice way, but I just remember sitting there going, man, he's coaching offices. How bad would an office feel if somebody went to collections and it's sometimes Patients lie. I mean, patients lie a lot. So, yeah, they do. Yes. (laughs) So it is, it it was just, you know, then it goes back to that, you know, the old school, I guess, that that we were talking about. Maybe that's that's the old way of doing things. I don't know. It sounds like it's an article idea, Colleen, right? Maybe the two of us should collaborate on that. Like, what is, you know, what's, what are the things that we need to bury and put in the ground? Like, just get them done. (laughs) (laughs) We could do that. That could be fun. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good one. I think that could be a lot of fun. But you're right. As some, I mean, I don't care who who you are and how fabulous you are at what you do. Mistakes happen. Information is given wrong. Um, and no matter, I mean, I have patients when I took over my one practice that good friends of the doctor had stiffed her on on bills, and you know, wow. it took me a while for me to let her send them to collections. But, you know, this was someone who she had known for, for 20 some years and they didn't pay their bill. And you would never think that would happen, but it happens. No, I think, I think it happens. I mean, doctors, if you're listening here, some of the worst patients, as far as payment are your friends and you Mm -hmm. think they come up front and pay their bill and they don't. And then, you know, you don't want to make it uncomfortable at the party or whatever, but we see that they totally plan yep. on not paying their bill. And uh, so for yep. new team members that are listening to be on alert when it comes to your doctor's friends coming in, you know, find out what is expected. What's the maximum discount to give? I hope you're not giving a lot of discounts, to be honest. And, you know, and you guys have heard me talk about that, but it's just we do a lot of courtesies in this this industry and yeah. it's just getting to be a little yeah. much. It's so many courtesies. I read on, uh, again, one of the Facebook posts that if somebody has uh, insurance and, you know, we go by the fee, the, the fee schedule, but if, the, if it's a non-covered service, then we'll just give them a 20% courtesy. And I'm just like, wow, like, they have the bat. Like, you know, that's right. the policy. It, it yeah. just cracks me up. So, <sighs> Well, you are doing something. You are going to be an expert or you are an expert if you're talking about it on an, a niche part of dental insurance that I am, once again, I send you work because I love it. I think you do a great <laughs> job, but I'm going to send you even more work because nobody knows what to do with workman's comp and you want to talk about it. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little strange that way. Well, I'm, I'm thinking part of it comes from the fact that um, years ago, I ended up with a comp case myself. So I've been the one who's going to places and said, I need help and, you know, saw what they went through. Um, But I just sort of, I guess, maybe ignorance is bliss. When I first started in the offices and the doctor came to me and said, hey, here's an accident case. Do you want to handle it? I went, okay. And then same thing with comp. And so I, after speaking in Fargo, Kelly Johnson from the Patterson branch there approached me. And one of the questions that keeps coming to her is how to handle accident cases or comp cases. So um, I've put together um, about a little over an hour presentation on 
and I want to caveat it with, this is not a cross-coding class <laughs> that I send them to other people for. Um, but so I put together basically kind of what I've come up with over the years of how to handle them and how to make it so people aren't cringing away from it. A lot of the comp cases, especially if you, or, or accident cases can be handled through medical or through other or homeowners or things like that. You don't have to deal with medical cross-coding or any of that. You just have to know what questions to ask, what information to gather. And so I did a live um, remote training with the North Dakota branch in June. And anybody in South Dakota that's listening, um, Kelly Johnson is doing one. Uh, her and I are doing one in uh, the end of July on the 26th at the uh, South Dakota Patterson branch. And it's it, it was a really unique and fun thing for me because, again, I'm that insurance geek. It's kind of putting down in paper what goes on in my head. Um, and I know you understand that, you know, there's these things that we all do and then you try to put it in paper and you go, wow, I went through quite a few steps for this, you know, mm. but it, it, the biggest thing is too, I, our office where I'm at now has um, gained quite a few new patients because we're willing to do it and, and situations or situations like the first, one of the ones that stands out in my head as feeling very grateful that I could do what I could do is we had a, the doctor's nephew had his front tooth knocked out um, sophomore uh, October of his senior year in a soccer oh, game. Wow. They came to the office and it ended up being an extraction and an implant and all of that. And mom and dad were just getting ready to pay for it all. And I went, hold on, let's call the school and see if there's accident insurance through the school. Most people don't realize that if you're playing a sport, many of those sports teams are carrying an insurance. Not all, but many do. Um, sometimes if it's a school base, the school has an insurance and then or it goes through the medical. So we were able to bill both their medical and the school insurance and get almost 90 percent of it paid for for the family. And he got his tooth at 18 versus a bridge, which might have been less costly, but he was 18 years old. Um, oh, yeah. And it was his front tooth. It was number, I think it was number eight. I look at it from the standpoint of, I want to take care of our patients. Um, but I've gotten a lot of calls over the years of, you know, do you, ha are you willing to handle a comp case? My regular doctor won't. Mm -hmm. And so we've gained patience from it. And it's a little extra work as all, as some of those things are, but sometimes it's really not. It's a phone call, getting a person that you need to talk to. So, you know, so if you're in South Dakota, come, come listen to me. Um, and I'm, you know, I've got to see where else I'm going to be presenting it. I was considering even putting it into a webinar, maybe. Yeah. We need to make sure that you, somebody takes you up on a webinar. We may need to drop a bug in Adam's ear or NEA. NEA puts out a lot of really good webinars too. You've done one for them, haven't you? Actually, that's the other one I'm doing. I'll be doing one for them the end of October on the 20. Oh. Uh, yeah, I gotta look at the date again. In October, I, I'm supposed to be doing, um, I believe, EOBs, but maybe we talk to them and change the subject. It hasn't been pushed out yet. So yeah, I mean, Workman's Comp, you're going to get a lot of clicks because I, um, and I'll help you market that too, because I get the question all the time. And my advice, you know, I make a joke that, you know, are they a new patient? If they're not mm -hmm. an existing patient, then you can refer them down the road and, you know, save yourself some trouble. But you make a good point as far as marketing. You know, if it's an existing patient, it's really hard to say no to that. But it's right. really hard to do work when it's if you have not done it before. Correct. Because it, it is 
approach and and it's intimidating and and I've done workman's comp as well and it is definitely not my favorite thing in the world to do so uh happy to have you talk on it and I think that's awesome that you're out there doing it well and it's not always your favorite and it, you know and you you know it, some of it is um trial and error so I've put together a class that hopefully I can have done the error and they can just go through it you know um, right <laughs> I've had the error moments and you know so there's things you learn um you know, I think a lot of what we teach is here's my errors. Oh, uh, my favorite line was I was training one of my new hires the one time and she looked at me and she was like, wow, you know so much. And I went, yes. And you know, the things I harp on the most, that's what I messed up, <laughs> you know, because those are the things that stick with us. Those mistakes that have happened, whether it was our error or someone else's, but as the insurance coordinator, we're the ones that have to fix it. Yeah. You know, so, you know, as well as anyone else out there that's listening that does this, those ones that you have to fix are the ones that stick with you so you don't have to fix it again. Yeah. And and it's um it's almost like a challenge the next time it rolls in that, uh, OK, mm-hmm. how I did this one, how I appealed this one is going to work because I know right. I did it this way. And then, you know, it just it just yep. really, it builds on it. And, and so I encourage, you know, new insurance mm-hmm. coordinators just you have to try. You're not going to find out unless you try appeal it because you're not going to find out unless you appeal it. And, and that's the way to go. So what's, I mean, I know you said the, you gave a great tip about the coverage for the school. I didn't know that that's, that's phenomenal information there Um, through the coverage. What, what other, what else should people know about workman's comp? What's one thing that could very easily trip them up? Well, the one thing to know is that comp and any accident, like if it goes through, um, car accident or your car insurance, every state has a state mandated fee schedule. So you are subject to that fee schedule. So a lot of times, one of the offices I worked at, the first time I went to do one, the doctor requested that I find out the fees ahead of time. And the other thing to know is all comp will tell you they don't pre-estimate, they won't Mm -hmm. predetermine. But if you push it, they will at least send you what to us is a predetermination, but to them is just a list of the fees. So you can usually push them on that. I really need to know what kind of fees I'm going to get for this work. Could I please just send you what I'm planning on doing and you send me back what you think may be covered. But there is a fee schedule that a lot of times practices aren't aware of. And it was for me, one of the first things I learned when I was in New Jersey is all of the comp cases typically follow the same as um, car insurance rates. So they're set. They're set by the state. You're saying that it, the you have to find out what the fee schedule is for that workman's comp case. So you're not going to be paid on your fees. You're going to be paid on a state set fee. Is that what you're saying? Correct. That my understanding is that all states set a set amount for um, accident cases for like car accident, and so comp follows the same fee schedule. Okay. So. In many cases, it may be your full fee, but I do recommend that you find out. Now, here's an interesting one I learned. Um, I had a patient that came in whose company was based in a different state. And because of where the company was located, even though the accident happened in one state, the plan paid based on the other state's fee schedule. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. After they told us it wouldn't. (laughs) 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 <laughs> There's always something, right? <laughs> yeah, but but after talking to our state legal, they said yes, they can do that. Um, mm-hmm. They said it's all again, it's it's like contract specific. It's specific to that workers' comp carrier, but 
in this case, they paid based on a different state. And of course, it was lower than what we thought we were getting. So how, how did the fee schedule compare, though, to your, is it just like a PPO, like on the same level, like a PPO fee schedule, or is it slightly higher than that? It, it's higher than that. It usually, if it's, if it's anything lower, they don't tend to be more than about 10%. Mm-hmm. They're not terrible. They're very, very fair, in my opinion. Um, again, it depends on, they try to take an overall kind of UCR of the state. Um, and I think they're looking at the highest and lowest and coming a little closer to the highest if they can. I don't feel that the fees have ever been too low to warrant. And I work for an office that doesn't participate with a lot of plans. So for my office to be willing to say, yes, Colleen, keep moving forward on these, you know, the fees are, are good. Every once in a while, it might be more of a 20% discount and you can find them most of the states have them you have there's a site you can go to or you can get it sent to you they're not it's not like they're hiding it from anybody it's just a matter of doing a little digging and finding out Hmm. i know some offices have looked into that maybe at the beginning of the year so they know before the phone call comes in if they want to handle and deal with it yeah yeah that's a good idea i might turn that into a tuesday tip because that's a really put in a credit to you for that because that's really a good idea so i heard you say a couple times Actually, you know what? Uh, let me. I'm jumping around here. I had so many questions for you when you were talking. See, that's what happens when you and I get together. We just like go over all the thing. <laughs> um, we so, squirrel. We squirrel. <laughs> yeah, we do. We totally squirrel. So he, here's what um, what I know has happened to me in the past and, and to clients in the past is that they're not working with workman's comp, but then they go to work on a tooth for an existing patient, and the patient's like, "Oh, that's from an old." injury, we need to make sure that that goes back to my workman's comp claim because it can go for a little bit of time. And I don't know if now it's changed where, you know, they limit it for a certain amount of time. But one of the plans I worked with, they actually, it it was pretty much the life of the tooth. They were responsible for restoring it. Have you run into that? Uh, Yes. And part of that would, this is where the experience of having been dealing with a comp case myself what happens is most states have a couple of different ways that they deal with it, but typical is the insurance company that first paid for the comp case um, holds on and does anything with that case for seven years unless the person settles it. So there's you can settle a claim and therefore you can go after no more money, but you might have gotten you know $5,000 or a monetary settlement or it's an open claim. And so they recognize the fact that in most cases, injuries can be lifetime. You know, in my case, it was a back injury. So I left it open lifetime. And so then what happens is after a certain amount of time in New York State, it's seven years, it goes from that insurance company to the state funds, as they call it. And then the state workers' comp um, is paying those claims. And if it's still an open claim, you know, in a case of like a bridge or something like that, a tooth gets knocked out, you could still be dealing with them paying for that 10 years, 20 years from now, or for the person's lifetime if they don't ever have the state close that claim. So for example, myself, my back injury was when I was 22 years old. And up until two years ago, I could not walk into any chiropractor. Here's my comp information. And it was covered. I recently accepted a settlement because I've barely been using it, what was going on. You know, I had gotten past the point for myself that I'm worried about it turning into something more severe. Mm-hmm. But they appro- that was an approach from the state 
looking at those cases that we're really not paying much out on this, maybe something, a monetary settlement to settle it would be a good way to go. But if the person involved in the case never closes it and they don't, they keep it open, they can ask you as the dentist to go back to that. And it would be, it's beneficial because they really shouldn't ever put it through a regular insurance because once you do that, you void that comp case. Ah, that's good to know. Okay. Like if I had ever gone, I, there was an issue at one point with comp wasn't paying the claim. (laughs) You'll like this. I had to teach my chiropractor's biller how to get my claim paid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They were having trouble and she had a woman at the front who tried to get me to give her my regular card and they were just going to bill through my regular insurance. And luckily I knew not to do that because if she had done that, I would have avoided my claim instantly and never been able to claim anything on it. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you knew enough to do that. I wonder how many patients, you know, ended up doing that and didn't realize it. And that's an awful lot of money that they then get, you know, I guess yeah. they lose that on. So, uh, so, okay. So the squirrel point that I, I had earlier is uh, you said something that I think is really important. I don't think enough office managers and insurance coordinators use the resources for them. Uh, you, mentioned a couple times that you reached out to the New York state, you know, the lawyer at the New York state. And I know that with, um, and I know in New York, you know, you're very active, you know, people at the dental society, uh, you weren't afraid to pick up the phone to call Delta dental in New York. You have a, you have a contact at Delta dental that you have no issues calling and finding out what's going on. Our friend Paula Thomason down in Arizona is the same way. She calls the dental society and, what I can tell you is from, you know, working with the ADA and working with the state associations, many of them are actually putting people in charge of carrier issues at the state society. Virginia just rolled out their own carrier representative. So if you're in the state of Virginia and you have an issue, the dental society has somebody on staff and North Carolina, I think has somebody that's dedicated for that. And I think, I think we're seeing that a lot more across the state. California led the way in this. They've had a department for years and years, but talk about when you call the, the societies or when you call the representatives, I know you do it because you are, you're confident enough and and you, you know, you're not afraid to reach out, but for somebody who's nervous and has never called anybody official, how would you walk them through that first phone call? Because it is so important to be in touch with them. Well, I will say the first time I called, it was intimidating because I wasn't at the level I am now. And, um, but I, basically what you'll find is they're very friendly. So basically I called our state level. I looked on the the website and tried to figure out who I was. Actually, I got the phone number back then from my uh, from my boss, and I just said I have an insurance question, a legal insurance question. Who should I speak to? And what I think you'll find is nowadays you can find right on the website who you may want to speak to. And if you're shy to do that phone call, maybe shoot them an email to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of them, the at least the woman in New York, she was from the start thrilled to get a phone call that someone was paying that close of attention. Kind of what made it easier for me then down the line to call her, but they are there to help make sure we're not getting into trouble. And so I think you'll find that they are very helpful. The local offices, I always recommend to anybody get to know your local office because that's what your boss is paying them for. Now, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, my local office calls me sometimes (laughs) to give them the answer. (laughs) 
but in the past I had called them. So they they reach out the local practice, the local office might be your first stop if it's too intimidating to call at the state level. And that's what they're there for. So let them do that phone call even. Um, but yeah. that's a lot of what they're doing. You know, like I said, now I've gotten to know them. Cindy will call me with a question or clarify, like I'll get an email from her. Hey, listen, this is a question we got. This is the information we have. Can you tell me if I'm correct or not? Just to make sure. So they're they're definitely doing their research when they answer. Um, if the state board is your your local board is good, and they should be if they're paying. You know, your doctors are paying for that benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know that you know all the state associations take their lead from the ADA, and the ADA has definitely identified reimbursement as one of the top, if not the top issue that's facing dentists right now. And it's, you know, they're, they're mobilizing, I guess that's the best way to just say it. The amount of webinars they're putting out now is more than ever. They are having administrative summits, which they never had before. Uh, The coding uh, meeting is, has been better attended than ever before. I actually saw a few just one-off dentists at the last one. And so I think that they are um, finally paying attention to that. Now, if only they would put out some classes, you know, I mean, I know you and I do fine with teaching, but it would be really nice for them to start a level, you know, a, a class that actually is good online for them to take so that they can you know, really learn this. I I know a lot of doctors won't come to our classes. I mean, more are, but they do need Mm -hmm. to know that. So it's almost like I wish somebody would do dental insurance for the doctors so they can take these classes, you know, from their, from the the safety of their own home or have a doctor's only session at the ADA. I, I get a lot of doctors that come up and ask questions afterwards, but they're always the last ones. They don't want to ask their questions in front of other people. Do you have that as well? I do. Here's a fun story on that. Um, last year, UB Dental, the UB Dental School is right here where I live. And they invited me to do a class like that for their dentists. They've been asked enough um, because I've spoken. And like you said, I'm not shy. I've gotten to know people in the in the industry <laughs> around here. Um, they called and asked me to develop, to, to do this class for them. So I spoke. It was a live stream. There were some people there physically at UB, but they live streamed it through the whole state to four other locations and then also had it available online. And they had done it because that's one of the questions they're getting. These doctors want to know about insurance. And it was fascinating, your comment about them coming up last. Afterwards, you know, you and I are used to, or I'm used to speaking to a room full of insurance coordinators who are very interactive and they want to ask questions and they join in. And dentists aren't quite the same. Mm-hmm. Um, they listen and take notes and don't really interact. And so if it wasn't for, I had one of the women I know, it was open to anyone. Any of the um, dentists in the area can send their team to these trainings also. So there was one um, manager there who I know also who helped keep the conversation going a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for her, it was like like silence 90% of the time, except for, as I said, one doctor that I could see out of my peripheral that nodding his head now and then to me, that I at least knew they were listening. Um, and it was fascinating. But then after the class was done, I had 45 minutes of questions from those that were physically there. Yeah. So they want to know it, you know, and I agree with you. I would love to see, you know, maybe we, you and I put something together and propose it to the ADA. Yeah. It's something that definitely has to happen. And more and more of the doctors coming out of school are paying attention to it, I think. I'm seeing a lot of the younger doctors are the ones I'm getting phone calls from. 
yeah. or inquiries from. Um, like I said, the one I talked to the other day, unfortunately, it's a year and a half after he bought a practice and signed a bunch of contracts, but at least he's recognizing early on that this is something that needs to be addressed. You know, I'm, I'm, I've gone to a couple dental schools and, you know, unfortunately, I, first of all, I'm glad that I'm going to the dental schools to talk about this. The problem is that it's they're having me talk to them about it when they're getting ready for their boards and they're coming into their fourth year, it's almost, it's, it's not a great time to do it, but I appreciate that they're trying to at least get the, the dentist to realize that this is, or the students to realize that this is something they're going to have to deal with. But, you know, I, I looked, maybe it was about, I don't know, a month or so ago, I looked back at the demographics of who's taken my online course. And I noticed that in the past, um, when it first opened up, it was a mix of managers, doctors, whatever, um, mostly managers. And I've noticed in the last year, it's been more doctors. And I don't think it's doctors just signing in for the payment. That's, that's usually what happens. But the actual taker of the test, the one who gets the certificate issued at the end is the doctor. And, you know, and I'm just going to guess that they're skewing younger. And I, so I do think that there is a need for that kind of learning out there and you and I, you know, and, and there's others too, you know, Roy's talking about, I, I don't, is Dana Russell speaking on it or is she just consulting on it? Dana Russell, no, she doesn't speak on insurance. Um, she okay. is more team training and office setup. No, insurance, she avoids like the plague. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dana, Moss is, Dana Moss does do insurance. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I, so, I mean, there's a bunch of us out there, right? That do insurance, but but the more yep. the merrier because it's not going away and there's only one. I mean, I'm only one person. You're only one person. So hopefully right. doctors, if they're listening to this, I mean, we absolutely are happy to talk to you about it. But, um, you know, if you do, if you want to do it so that the team isn't seeing exactly what your, you know, the weakness is, don't worry about that. Come and talk to us afterwards right. or, you know, hunt me down on the, the show floor, which has happened to me before where a doctor mm-hmm. basically, you know, he waited off to the side after one of my book signings, you know, at care credit. And, uh, you know, he was like, okay, can I walk with you to the next class? And he had, you know, pages of questions, this poor guy. Yeah. Like three pages of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, 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 you know, those are fun because they, you know, they, they make your brain, you know, think a little bit because every situation is different. And and again, that ties really back to the whole conversation um, on Facebook that you know, the question he may ask me, I'm, the answer might be specific to that Arizona meeting. Um, ask right. me the same question in Boston and it's going to be a different answer, possibly depending on the state law. And so these, you know, these um, I appreciate the help that's going on in the Facebook. We just need to do our due diligence before we implement anything like that. And that's really, um, hopefully that's the message that gets across with my posting and with your article, which was very well done, by the way, loved it. Um, Thank you. you. Definitely. We'll put a a show note link in there for that. Is there anything new that you've run into anything crazy lately you need to know that we need to know about? Um, Well, the, the one, and I think I sent you the, the, I called you on this one. I recently had a situation with um, Dunlop retirees having two totally different Delta Dental insurance companies that pay different parts of their plan. So for those listening, let me repeat that a little bit. Um, my insur- the person who does, the, the woman I work with, Donna, who is fabulous at doing the breakdowns for our practice, and she's newer at it, so she'll come to me when she has a head scratcher, as I like to call them. And she's like, Colleen, I'm really confused on this. So this particular plan Dunlop was bought out by 
Sumimoto, I may have said that wrong, uh, rubber a few years ago. And in the buyout, this little weird split happened. And so one Delta for the retirees pays for the exam. If I remember correctly, it was the, the preventive, the exams, and the um, crowns or something like that. And then this other insurance covers all the perio, endo, and um, implant work. So you have to bill one and then the other to get to, you don't even like, it's. it was the most confusing thing, Teresa, I think I called you on it. it and when I called, uh, we even called the HR department to find out about it. And she said, yes, it's accurate. They're not even the same Delta address. They're two totally different Deltas. Yeah. But because of the way this merger happened. So seriously, people, you think you've heard it all. I'm telling you, we haven't. Because <laughs> so. I remember when you when you um, you called me about it and then you sent stuff to me. And I mean, I had a head scratcher, too. And and it's often so I know when you call me with a situation, I know it's going to be a good one. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, Ooh, what's this? You know, when I get a message, can you call me when you have a second? I'm like, Ooh, what's this now? What she's running to. <laughs> and, and that was a one. And, and we did, we noodled through it. And I think you did some more uh, research on it. Yeah. And you came up with, with the answer, but it was like, wow, we, you do think you hear it all. And, and it just, you know, there's just always something new coming up. Isn't there? There is, there is. Um, Teresa, one thing I wanted to state, going back to our conversation about the doctors and the education, um, sure. something else I got I got to do recently was I went and spoke to um, the graduating class of our hygiene school, our local hygiene school. It would because they wanted to learn some of the specifics on the insurances and the coding and how they really have to make sure what they're they're, they're accurate in what they've done, and yeah. it was a really and fun course and I've also done Therese, I did a, a recording did, did the same thing for assistance and I did a training this up at um, Laura Hatch's dental assistant part of front office rocks yeah. so you know the doctors are getting training too but in this clinical digital age our, our clinical team are the ones a lot of times that are the start of the codes and so I'm finding, I don't know if you are, but I'm finding there's more of a need for their education on it too. It's funny because I just was talking to, to Kevin, you know, Kevin Henry, yeah. and you need to get on his podcast too, uh, his dental assisting nation, because he would love to have that kind of uh, conversation too. His assistants really respond to the fact that they need to do more documentation, but yeah, the clinical team and, and the, the hygienist is one thing, but definitely the assistants, you know, they're the ones that are hearing the conversations. They're the ones that are taking the notes. I'm seeing a lot more of them showing up in my classes and, yep. you know, I'll make sure to tell them, look, you guys are like going to be the best insurance coordinators if you decide to go in that direction because you're going to be able to do these appeals and you'll understand, you'll see right away when there's an issue. And I was really shocked, but uh, one of the hygiene podcasts, A Tale of Two Hygienists, asked me to do a regular, you know, tip on insurance for their hygiene audience. And so I'm mm -hmm. doing that quarterly, you know, and I'm happy to introduce you guys if you want because their hygienists respond to those insurance tips because they're being asked more and more to talk about that. And, uh, you know, here in a corporate office, you've got a team of insurance coordinators, but when you're in a solo office or a small office, everybody's talking about insurance. So I, I agree with you. It, the clinical team is key and gosh, it can save us so much money. I, I don't even think they get that 
you know, that how much money they can save because the write-offs from not having the right documentation that they, they get up there. Oh, they do. Well, and the other thing is like, you know, the new codes of when did the, when the exam is done first, when the exam is done after, um, for hygiene, for some of the perio codes is one of the areas that when I talked to this group and they were, they were great, you know, they were going to be graduates soon. So they were like eager for every bit of information. It was a, it was a really neat class. Um, nice. But they had so many questions of making sure because they understood that this is their license as well as their livelihood. And also they don't want to do anything incorrect. So, right. you know, I think it's an area that for you and I, especially is going to be growing and who else needs to be learning what the changes are and what's happening. I have no issues with that. The clinical team is, I can, I can identify with them because they, I had a, I had a real fun run as an assistant and I like to joke about, you know, some of the issues that I had when I was an assistant and uh, they're just a fun audience. I can put up the grossest pictures and they don't care. They like it. You know, whereas <laughs> you know, new, new uh, insurance coordinators or ones that are brand new to dentistry, I'll put up a, a really gross, gnarly debridement case. And they're just like, Oh, it's before lunch, Teresa. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is gorgeous. You know, <laughs> See, see, yeah, I'm not as visual with that. I, I mean, didn't obviously I didn't start as an assistant. I did assist oh. though, but only mainly surgery. I, I tell you, you got to find the best pictures. Go back through your doctors and uh, doctors and PAs. And you know, if anybody's listening and you've got crazy cases, I put this I put this call out in my my courses all the time. If you ever want to have your tooth, fit, you know, featured, and I'll put your doctor's name on there. Um, I right. always need cases. We both need cases to illustrate, you know, 4341, crown buildups, any kind of lasers, extractions. All of those are fun to put up there. And uh, yeah, let people know. Absolutely. So we are coming up on an hour. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. And, and it's I know it's because you're going to be on again. We're going to make this a regular thing. This is your second appearance on here. I can't wait already for the next one because really insurance geeks got to stick together, right? Absolutely. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> tell tell everybody where they can find you, Colleen. Um, you can find me on my website, which is very simple. It's ColleenHuff.com. Uh, you can email me at dentalinsurancecoach at gmail.com. Uh, I also have a Facebook page. Uh, again, Colleen Huff dental insurance coach or any other versions. There's a couple of ways you can find me that way too. Um, and I am on LinkedIn also, and all of it's just under my name that there for Colleen Huff. And cool. the, my phone number is there. My emails are there. Reach out. I try to get back to people as quickly as I can if you have any questions, but definitely try and find my Facebook page. I've been trying to post more on that and on LinkedIn. I don't do much on Instagram yet. Well, if you go to, um, you know, if you're a fan of my, my Facebook page and you can go in there and look at the photos and the one that's got a quote about social media groups, you can click on that photo because I linked to Colleen's Facebook page on that. And then there'll also, I'll throw a link in here too, to all your information. It, and just like last time, because people do need to find you and follow you and uh, hear what you have to say. And I'm excited about the workman's comp because now I have somebody to refer to. This is exciting. <laughs> the other thing to watch for, it's not out yet. It looks like it's going to be closer to January is front office rocks. I will have an insurance mastery course awesome. going live with Laura. Um, it keeps getting pushed back because we're really trying to make sure it has all of what it needs. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye out for that. And there's a link on my Facebook page for it. Um, but you can also find it on Laura's site. 
Absolutely. And front office rocks is a great thing. We, we definitely recommend that or I recommend that in my courses for sure. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for being here. And uh, until the next episode, everybody, I appreciate you listening very much. Make sure you're subscribed, tell your friends if you found this interesting and helpful, and we'll talk to you at the next episode. Thank you, Teresa. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.